0: Welcome to What a Crime to Be Alive. I'm Carly.
1: And this is Pinky.
0: And this is our part two of our Halloween series, I guess you would call it, um, The Murder of Jane Nysel. Um Before we jump into the details of her case, we're actually going to discuss what little stuff we knew about it before we researched it, kind of what our families uh, told us about, and um, all that kind of stuff. Pinky, do you want to go ahead first?
1: Yeah, so I remember my mom telling me um, just a few stories And I don't remember what the scenario was I know a few times um, we kind of like gathered around And told like the urban legends and whatnot of Ashland To um, my family from South Carolina My cousin married um, into a family from South Carolina And we were speaking with some of those relatives And that might have been one of the the occasions, but she told me once or twice. And basically, um, she just said that, and this is very vague, and like I said, I was a child. She said that there was a woman who was murdered um, with her child. Even though her child survived, she said a woman was murdered, taken out to Skyline Drive. And if you're from Ashland, everybody knows where Skyline Drive is. And her throat was slit. And then if I... Look back even further, I think, and this is something we might have to look into for a future episode. um, There have been a few different things that have happened on Skyline Drive, a few different crimes. um, I believe something about a rape. I believe something about, um, yeah, I think it was like two athletes and their girlfriends were out there. And these people came along and made the two male athletes go up in a tree and watch them rape their girlfriends so this is kind of like a spooky area if you didn't know now you know and uh watch out when you're out there but she didn't go into details that she just told me you know somebody had their throat slit and it was one of the most you know notorious crimes in Ashland since this is a small town everybody kind of knew about it and that is what she revealed to me
0: Um, so, the way that I heard about this, and I, and honestly, when I heard about it, I was probably a teenager, um, and I have, we have a family friend, um, to remain anonymous, let's call her Becky, okay? So, I have a family friend, Becky, and she was, you know, super into true crime, um, I was, I was friends with, uh, her daughter mostly, but, She would take us on the, uh, the route that the abductor made Jan Nysseldrat. Um, so, and then that was, at my age, I was, like, scared to death about that. I know that, um, you know, we were kind of in the teen years, so we were like, oh, that's so spooky, and, like, we didn't go out there ever, and it was just kind of like a place that you did not go. Skyline Drive, you know. Um... But as far as we were concerned, me and Pinky, that's all we really knew about it Um, until we we dug really deep into this stuff. And now we have a lot of stuff. We really do. Yeah.
1: And um, I just want to go on the record of saying we always cite our sources. We always list our links. And we try to cite them verbally as well. But in this case, uh, like we said, it's a family friend who wanted to remain anonymous. So, don't think we're just retelling somebody's story. We just aren't able to reveal too much. So, um, a lot of this came from Becky.
0: <laughs> so, with that being said, let's dive right in. Bill and Jan Nisel, co-owners of a Volkswagen dealership in Ashland, were also parents to four children. Beth, who was 12, Johnny, who was 10, Bridget, who was 5, and Jared, who was 2. Beth, Johnny, and Bridget were the biological children of Bill and Jan. Jared, who also had a congenital heart problem, was adopted by the Nisels after their nanny, Dreama Bird, became pregnant out of wedlock. During the 1970s, it wasn't common for a woman to have a child out of wedlock, and especially since she alluded to the fact that the father was unbeknown to her. Jan, being as kind as her friends described her, decided she would help their nanny out and adopt this child in order to take the attention off of DREAMA and help out with Jared's hospital bills that would soon be piling up. According to the Courier-Journal of Louisville, on August 12, 1974, Bill Nysel asked his wife Jan to go to the shopping center in downtown Ashland, Kentucky and pick up some socks for him from Mark Matthews, a clothing store. Jan had no problem with going because most of the time her husband, Bill, ran their co-owned dealership day-to-day, and with it being around 1230 or so, her kids were still in school. However, that day was a little bit different because before going downtown to run her errands, Jan stopped to pick up their son, Johnny, from Bill at the Volkswagen dealership. Now, I have heard that Jan picked up um Johnny from speech therapy he went to speech therapy um several days a week and I heard that that's where she picked him up but in the in the uh transcript it says that uh she picked Johnny up from Bill at their Volkswagen dealership um so that's kind of what I'm sticking with however that could be wrong um but that's that's what his test what's that's what Johnny's testimony was in court So, Bill had picked up Johnny earlier that day from speech therapy, according to the court transcript, and had taken him back to work with him until Jan could come get Johnny. Johnny went with his mother downtown to pick up the socks and run other errands. In the shopping center, there was a Mark Matthews, which like I said, is like a clothing store, a grocery store, and I'm pretty sure it was Kroger, and a department store called Woolco, which is similar to present-day Kmart, if you're familiar with that. While Jan and Johnny were at the shopping center, they first went to Mark Matthews for the socks, then they stopped by Woolco and finally picked up some groceries before heading to the car. When Jan and Johnny arrived at their car, a man with a yellow shirt, white pants, and white dress shoes approached them, putting a knife to Johnny's throat and telling Jan, quote-unquote, drive the hell out of here. And we're going to put a clip right here um, of our Becky anonymous source (laughs) uh kind of describing the uh the outfit that this guy was wearing it was odd for him to be trying to abduct someone i feel like in a yellow shirt and white pants and white dress shoes yeah um that's just very bright honestly
2: and this guy that dressed in like white slacks and white shoes and i think a yellow shirt Um, Yeah, I was about to say, wow, with a (laughs) knife, he's got a bony knife in his hand, Mm. and he forces, he puts the knife basically to the little voice, and says, you will get in the car, and so she did exactly what he said, Mm -hmm. she got in the car, she was driving.
0: With Jan driving and the man holding a knife to Johnny's throat in the back seat of the Nysel's new Volkswagen, the abductor gave Jan specific driving directions. So, and I know not everybody is familiar with Ashland and that's totally cool. I'm, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to put directions up on like Google Maps or whatever and I'll screenshot it and we can post it just so you'll get an idea of the kind of route that they took. The abductor told Jan to turn right out of the Woolco parking lot, continue straight onto 13th Street, turn left onto Beach Street, make a right onto Floyd Street, Another right onto Skyline Drive, a left onto Hogston Drive, and finally make a left onto Loman Drive. Loman Drive was a very secluded area at that time. And I'm like super... Like this route right here is not a normal route that people would take. So in my opinion, I feel like this man either had to be from Ashland or he had to be coached very well.
1: Yeah, so he either had to be local... Well, if he was local, then he knew the route to take that wasn't like an obvious, you know, route. It was kind it's kind of a route you would take if you're wanting to stay like behind the scenes.
0: Right. So it's not, it's you, he was 13th street in this route is a main road and he was on that road for a very short time. So after he got off of that road, he kind of took back roads in order to make it to Lowman Drive. And that at the time was a secluded area. Um, It was a gravel road with wooded area all around and only one house on the corner. The abductor forced Jan and Johnny out of the car and demanded that they get down so that the passing cars won't be able to see them. The abductor then grabs Jan around the waist, turns her around so that her back is to him, and slits her throat from behind. Meanwhile, Johnny tries to help his mother and the man kicks Johnny in the head. Johnny falls to the ground, but is able to recover, and he runs to the nearest house, which is, which according to the Courier Journal, is about 0.8 miles away from the crime scene. We're going to try to put in a clip here um, from Becky, which is describing Johnny, you know, running from the crime scene to get help.
2: The little boy is trying to help her, oh. and he kicks him oh. basically, and to a ditch, Mm -hmm. and the little boy gets up and runs away, and apparently she was able to stumble a little bit before she just collapsed on the road. Yeah. man takes her purse, apparently, gets into the car, and drives away.
0: At this time, the man took Jan's purse, which had around $70 in it, and fled the scene in Jan's car. There were workmen doing some kind of work in the area, and they actually claimed to have heard the screams of Jan. When they are approached by Johnny and the horrible story he has to tell them, the workmen go out to the main road to flag down a police officer and direct him to the crime scene. The workmen reported seeing a man with collar-length brown hair driving Jan's car away. According to the Courier-Journal, the Nyssel car was recovered just after 2 p.m. in the same shopping center parking lot that Jan and Johnny had been shopping at only one hour earlier. When police arrived at the scene, Tom Kelly was the lead detective on this case. They found hair in the car and in Jane's hand, which were both said to be consistent with her hair and Johnny's hair. Unknown debris from the wooded area, a shopping bag, and a and packaging of the boning knife purchased at Woolco. Along with the shopping bag and packaging of the knife, investigators also sent two armrests from the car, the gear shift lever, the rubber emergency brake handle, the cigarette lighter knob, two radio knobs, sunglasses, Jan's shirt, bra, panties, shorts, and belt to the lab to be tested for DNA. Upon the examination of evidence, unidentified brown hairs were found on Jan's bra. One pubic hair was found on Jan's shorts and human blood was found on Jan's panties. However, there was no evidence of sexual assault. In addition, the packaging of the knife that was recovered in the car was positive for fingerprints. To this day, the FBI still has the fingerprints in their file, but they have never been ran through CODIS.
1: So, when when you were talking to Becky, from my understanding, um, she kind of alluded to that the authorities wanted to portray this as a sexual assault.
0: Yes. So, they when they found the when when the results came back that there was a pubic hair um, found at the scene and it was on her shorts. Um, they basically took this and ran with it and were like handing out rape whistles and, uh, just all kinds of stuff. And we're, we're going to drop an audio right here, um, from Becky, uh, talking about that. But yeah, they, they wanted this so badly to be a sexual assault case. Um, and it just wasn't, there was no, I mean, there there was no sexual assault, just no evidence of it, other than the fact that a pubic hair was found, but, you know, that's not, that
2: doesn't fly. Of course, the towns freaked out. Mm-hmm. They started handing out rape whistles to every woman in town that wants one. They were pushing this as a sex crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They pulled in every guy with any history Six-feeder. of the slightest indication it could have been a sex offender. Yeah. She was in shorts and a halter top. There was no evidence that she had been assaulted. No, right, sexual assault. Okay.
0: So if you're not familiar with CODIS, CODIS stands for Combined DNA Index System and is a database that is used by the FBI to log DNA. So the FBI can enter in different types of DNA, and the system will analyze it and discover any matches to that DNA. Of course, during the 1970s, CODIS wasn't thought of, But now that technology and science are so advanced, CODIS is used regularly to solve cold cases and modern cases as well.
1: In the following days, Tom Kelly and other investigators worked on this homicide. They started looking at people around the NISL's life and started with a man that did handiwork for them, Mike Duvall. Mike and his wife Peggy were friends of the Nisels and would often take the Volkswagens from the dealership for a spin. On the day in question, Bill Nysel had asked Mike to go up to their farm in the county and fix a door that had been broken for some time. Mike took off towards the farm, but got stopped by an elderly woman whom he also did handiwork for. He fixed something in her kitchen for her, and she offered him some pie. So Mike sat down with the woman and talked for quite some time at the same exact time that Jan was being murdered. Police investigated this alibi, and it checked out. A few days later, a man walks into the Boyd County Detention Center and asks if Victor Lee Davies had a warrant out for his arrest. Roy Rice, sheriff of Boyd County Detention Center, asked this man what he meant. The man said that he was an inmate at the same time Victor Davis was in jail and that he heard Davies confess to the murder of Jan Neisle. Davies, 18 at the time and living in Catholicsburg, was in and out of trouble and his family just was just disgusted with his behavior. His father-in-law gave him $20 and dropped him off in Portsmouth and told him to stay away from everyone. Wow.
2: <laughs> Davis
1: ends up in Washington State. Roy Rice takes Johnny and Bill Nyssel to Washington to pick Victor Davies out of a lineup. The lineup is seven men and they all look very similar. Tall, thin, with dark hair. Johnny picked number six, which was not Victor Davies, and then went outside to talk to his dad, came back in, changed his answer to number five, which was Victor Davies. Sharon Smith, an employee at Woolco, positively identified the man in position five as the man who purchased a knife that day. So fun fact. Sharon Smith is actually a distant relative of mine. And for those of you who aren't from the Ashland area, This just lets you further know how small our community is and how everything's tied together and how it's just very close and knit. And when something like this happens in a city like Ashland, which I don't know, I want to say back in the day, the population was closer closer to about like 30,000 people. But since I want to say like 2000, 2004, we've been consistently around 20,000. But stuff like this, cannot go down without major witnesses seeing something or knowing somebody or this, that, and the third. Um, Victor Davies goes on trial for the murder of Jan Nysel. This case has zero physical evidence. The only thing tying Victor Davies to this murder is the inmate who snitched on him, (laughs) snitches get stitches, and Johnny Nysel picking him out of a lineup. It took the jury 47 minutes to acquit victor lee davies um not one time during the trial or investigation did they ask bill nicell anything about his potential motive by this point bill had married dreama and who is dreama again
0: dreama is
1: well was
0: bill and Jan's nanny and the little boy that i talked about jared just so with the heart defect yeah with the heart defect the one that uh, Jan and, and Bill adopted just so happened to be the love child of Bill and Drema.
1: Dun dun dun.
0: So that is motive enough right there for me, to be honest with you, and and that's why I kind of we kind of stopped telling the story at this point is because anything further is just kind of speculation
1: right
0: um but it is a fact that bill and dreama had uh jared two years before
1: jan was murdered yeah that's legitimately been fact checked that is a fact that's not speculation right it's not an allegation it's the truth
0: and it's and it's not i mean and uh jared because of his heart defect he actually died in 2012. You can go online and read his uh, his obituary. And, you know, it states that Bill and Drema were his parents. So, it's I mean, it's no secret. Um, but at that time, that wasn't known. At the time of Jane's murder, that was not known. Back to the fact that this is all speculation. And it is. Um, and, well, some of it's speculation. I'll go ahead and tell you. So, six months... After Jan was murdered, Dreama and Bill got married. That's a fact. A fact. Yeah. Jack. <laughs> At the time of the murder, Jan was around 32 years old and Dreama was 18 years old. That's also a fact. Um.
1: Hold on. She was how old?
0: 18. Oh. Dreama okay. was 18. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so... I don't know if I mentioned at the beginning, but this is something super important to this case, I think, anyways. The Nysals were, I mean, like, hardcore Catholics, okay? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And Catholics, back then, I don't know about now, I'll have to ask Erica. um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Erica. (laughs) uh,
0: They didn't get divorced, okay? So, if you wanted to get out of a marriage, I guess kill your wife, I'm not sure. But... That, again, speculation, but so if, you know, if he would have divorced Jan in this instance, just, you know, whatever, he would lose the money from the dealership since Jan actually owned it. She's the one that came from money. He did not. He would lose that. He would lose his standing in the community and he would be banished from the church just over divorce.
1: What about, what about murder? What, how do Catholics feel about murder? Yeah, I
0: don't know. I'll ask Erica. We'll ask Erica. Yeah. I guess okay, because you know.
1: Divorce, murder. Whichever, whichever. Divorce, murder. What are your options here?
0: <clears throat> and so Dreama and Bill are actually still married to this day and they live near Columbus. Um, And so I just I don't know. That's just crazy to me that that this, that this all happened. It's just a lot of... I just feel like that's so much motive.
1: It's, it's a lot of motive, and it's... I mean, I'm not supposed to say this, but, like, it's kind of crappy that the authorities um, didn't put forth the proper amount of effort in order to um, try the proper person in order to find the proper person in order to really give Jan justice. And now um, not Jan dreamer and homeboy are just married happily ever after God rest their son's soul, but they just got to do normal things. They got to have a normal life. They got to move away and act like this never happened.
0: Right. And my whole thing about it is, um, they tried Victor Davies for it, and he got acquitted again in 47 minutes, okay? That doesn't happen. 40 of it was probably them just sitting there acting like they were doing something. Seven of it was actually them talking about it. But, so, they tried him, and then after he was acquitted, they were like, all right, we're done. Didn't do anything else about it. In their minds, this this case was closed, Even though it is still considered open and it's not considered a cold case, in their minds, this case is closed. Um, And I just wanted to point out another thing. So there was a man named James Thompson. Uh, He was a friend of Johnny Nysel's. He was actually in class with him at Holy Family when this all happened. And he said that, you know, Johnny came to school after this and was just, like, so tore up and didn't talk and, like, all that kind of stuff, which, I mean, I can't even imagine. But, so, you know, Johnny, like, they move on or whatever. They grow older. Uh, James marries a Finnish woman and moves to Finland. And he becomes a pretty famous crime author. Um, He, you know, is from Ashland, so he put up a thread on Topics.
1: You remember Topics? I remember Topics, and if you aren't familiar with Topics, it was like the 2000-era Reddit, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, a, like an online forum where you could, you know, post whatever you wanted to post and other people would come with replies and information and stuff like that. Right. So,
0: James Thompson posts on here from Finland. And he posts, like, you can do it, like, at like by location. So he does it in, like, the Ashland area. He posts in the Ashland area or whatever it is. And he asks if anyone in Ashland could go to the Boyd County Public Library and look through the files regarding the Jan Nysel murder because he wants to write a book about it. Well, uh, Becky emailed him and told him that she would be able to do that she didn't hear from him for a long time and was just kind of like, oh, you know, like whatever, maybe he changed his mind or he's, he's got another topic he's doing a book on. Then she finds out that he slipped and fell and hit his head and died on his own property at age 49. So that's very coincidental to me. Um, his ex-wife actually... And I'll link this, but this is a quote from his ex-wife. Unfortunately, Jim had suffered with severe migraines for years, and the medication he was taking made him drowsy, and it can also cause dizziness. The night he died, he took a walk after dinner by a lake near his house, which he had done many times before. From what I understand, he lost his balance on the pier bordering the lake, and he drowned.
1: Convenient.
0: Right? That's just, like, a way too convenient for me. And another thing, again, speculation, this is all, you know, like we said, this is not, this is not fact. But um, Tom Kelly, which was uh, the lead investigator on this case from Ashland, was interviewed a few years ago by the Beacon. Um, and, like, when this, this case started to, like, resurface, and so he was interviewed by the Beacon and basically, he was like, he just shut it down. He was like, nope, that was it was uh, Victor Davies. We caught him, but he got acquitted. That's it.
1: Didn't somebody else say the same thing? That it was Victor and that's it? Yes. Yeah, she ain't gonna say his name, but... No, I'm not. <laughs> the the higher-ups in yeah. the uh, law enforcement industry who are still like alive today they aren't talking. They refuse to talk. Right. So that leads me to believe speculation. There might've been a payout involved, payoff, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, because like Carly said, you know, they acquitted one person and then it was done. They didn't close the case. It's still open. If it's still open, why has there not been any further investigation? And why, when um, people start doing research and when people start asking questions, people end up dying or, (laughs) or they just get shut down. You know, um, people are way too, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, defensive. They're way too defensive about this. And I understand personally that it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, um, that our town went through. It's a tragedy that the family went through, but some of the key players who were involved in the investigation and the trial and this, that, and the third, just aren't saying anything and they get defensive. So that just leads you to believe that there was more to it than them just trying. Um, oh boy, what's his name again?
0: Uh, Victor Lee Davies. Yeah,
1: Victor, and then just cutting it off. There has to be more to it. Speculation, allegedly, all of that. But, I mean, use your brain here. What do you think?
0: Right. Um, and so, one thing that really bothers me to this day is that the FBI still has the prints from the knife packaging and has not ran these prints through CODIS. Um, I know that CODIS wasn't available at that point, um, and that's, you know, that's, but technology has advanced, science has advanced, and so, um, you know, CODIS has helped solve so many cold cases and so many just modern cases as well. So I actually wrote a letter to the FBI um, (laughs) asking them for a job. No, just kidding.
1: (laughs) Carly is dead ass right now, but I mean, we're six, seven episodes in by now. You guys should know how serious she takes this and how much of a hobby it is for her. But the fact that Sis, listen, y'all, we should make you pay for this because Sis is drafting up letters to the FBI for you guys. Hey,
0: if I could do this and get paid, I would do it. So if anybody, you know, wants to make this go really big so I can get paid, let's do it. But yeah, I, I drafted a letter to the FBI, sent it off um, and told them that they needed to run the DNA. And if they didn't want to run it and if that was too big of an issue for them, send me copies of it and I'll find somebody to do it.
1: Yeah, Carly is not a Karen, but she pulled her Karen card and said, look here.
0: Yeah, Ooh. I mean, it's ridiculous. This happened in 1974. You
1: better do this. Yeah. <laughs> you better do this right now.
0: Well, it happened in 1974. Here we are in 2020. And, you know, she still has, first of all, Johnny, nowhere to be found on social media, probably because he's traumatized to death. Um, and, you know, she has other kids, too. They, there's no justice for it. Bill and Dreamer are just out here living their best life. Like, I mean, get justice for this woman. You have the technology and the science to do it. Run the prints. It takes like 10 10 seconds. Just do it. You don't even have to do anything. Just scan it. So, if anybody in the FBI is listening to this, (laughs) first of all, hire me. Second of all, scan the prints.
1: Yeah, she's looking for a job, and um, I think she'd be good at it. So, you can hire her. Um, And y'all know me. Uh, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a moment. I always try to make a somewhat of a social justice spin on this and I just want to say in 2020 that um women are still getting harassed they're still getting assaulted they're still getting raped they're still getting murdered and while there has been a fair amount of justice served um this isn't right you know and not to co-opt any movements but women's lives they um are valuable and they do matter so um you know subconsciously I think this is why this is another reason why we wanted to explore this case number one it's local number two it's very very spooky especially if you're from here number three there's still no real definitive end because no one's gotten justice and number four it's just a reminder that we need to do better um, in certain cases. Mm-hmm. We need to try harder. Um,
0: Investigate more, and if you don't, just give me the job, and I will do it.
1: She will. Off the soapbox.
0: So, um,
1: did you want to talk about the... the... I do, but first, let's yeah. tell them about the GoFundMe. Go
0: oh, Go. yeah. Okay. So, our Uncle Stevie, um, he has been diagnosed with a bile duct cancer. Um, it's very aggressive and very rare. We are um, currently raising money so that he can uh, get the treatment that he needs and also so his wife, Nancy, doesn't have to work while he's recovering. Um, it's very important that um, she is with him. Uh, family is all you've got, so we really need this money to be raised. Um, we have a GoFundMe, and we'll put it in our bio and also link it on this um, on this episode but um if you can donate that's great and that's that's awesome um but if you can't please just share the link um we're just trying to get as as much money as we can so that they don't have to worry about a thing and they can just be who they are
1: yes and if you are local Um, we are currently coming up with a few ideas of how you can contribute and help us raise funds for the family. Um, y'all should know by now, but this is pinky. I'm working on two things, um, specifically, and hopefully we'll be able to roll those out fairly soon. Um, but yes, even if you cannot donate, that's completely fine thoughts prayers vibes are appreciated Um, we do ask you if you see the GoFundMe link to share it retweet it repost it whatever you do um, that would be very much appreciated Um, I was going to try to do another crime of the week but um, it's 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 too much I'll just say this um, this is from Twitter and from the New York Times. I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce this name. We're going to say Keith Rainier, um, leader of the alleged sex cult known as NXIVM that might be a Roman numeral, I don't know, was sentenced to 120 years in prison, Mm -hmm. rightfully. Um, Like I said, he was the leader of the alleged sex cult whose followers included millionaires and celebrities. He had previously been found guilty for charges that included sex trafficking and child porn. He was sentenced to life in prison on Tuesday after a dozen of his victims um, came forth and gave testimonies about about how he sexually abused them. Um, the New York times called the testimony gut wrenching. So, like I said, I'm not going to get into any details, but, um, glad to see this suckers locked up for life and on my soapbox. Once again, um, sex trafficking, human trafficking is all around us. Um, ladies be careful, parents protect your children. Um, we've seen cases here. Um, I live in Lexington predominantly and I saw, An instance, maybe a week or two ago ago of a girl at the Walmart on mm, the Walmart. I forgot what street it is. It's the one out Tate's Creek. It's one of the neighborhood markets. So it's fairly small. They just have groceries and stuff like that. Um, Basically, um, some people were following her around the store. And then when she went outside, she noticed people by her car. And um, she was able to get a hold of her dad. And her dad came... um, but, yeah, it's, it was a scary situation, and it was from a reliable source, so it wasn't one of those rumor things. Um, lots of things are going on, so we just need to be mindful. We need to support these victims. We need to believe victims. And, like I said, just be very careful. Be aware of your surroundings. And I'm almost to the point, even though we should stay inside because it's a pandemic, wear your mask, wash your hands, all that stuff, keep your distance, I'm not, I, I don't really like to go places by myself, um, especially – When I am in Lexington, I feel a little bit safer here in Ashland just because all my family is here. But, um, yeah, just please, 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 please be aware. Keep your eyes on your babies and take care of yourselves. So, I guess that's it for today, isn't it? That is it for today. Um, Like we said, we have a very reliable yet anonymous source. Um, We have tons of paperwork and documents. We have a um, recording of the conversation with our source, Becky. So we will be doing a follow-up on this. We want to try to gather feedback from our listeners as much as possible because, like I said, this is local. Even if you aren't local, please let us know your thoughts so we can revisit this and give you a bonus episode of some sort. And if you are on Facebook and you are a listener, please go to our page. Because we are having a giveaway. Oh, yeah. We are having a giveaway because we want to boost engagement on our social media platforms and we want to increase our audience. It's a very simple giveaway. It's a $100 Target gift card. Everybody needs a $100 gift card for Target, especially around the holiday season. It's literally liking, sharing, and tagging. That's all you have to do. We've only had a few people do it, which is fine. But who doesn't want 100 bucks?
0: I would take a one dollar gift card from Target.
1: And not to mention that it's our family. so we're basically just giving our family an early Christmas present if we award this to one of them. Um, not just our family, friends too, uh, loyal listeners too. but get on there. We'll be reposting. Um, you only have till next week next Wednesday so get her done. Let's let's give out some money, let's engage, let's listen, let's do all this stuff. let's have fun. 100 bucks, Target. I love Target. The basic bitches love Target. Everybody loves Target.
0: So next week we have Lacey Peterson as our episode.
1: Which is a very, very well-known story. But if you don't know, we'll have something for you. And if somebody else doesn't know, perfect time to share the podcast with them so they can get familiar
0: yep so that's all for tonight i gotta go get my baby so stay safe um don't die and if i suddenly die it is because of this Jane nysel case
1: yeah pray for us because they about to be mad okay bye holla baby flamingo